Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Rise and shine, fever dreamers. Look alive, my friends. I'm V Spear. And I'm Amanda Duberman. And this is American Fever Dream, a new podcast presented by Betches News. Where we keep you responsibly informed without depleting your faith in humanity. We're back at the mic, V. We're here. The first episode, it finally happens. We're here. We've been hard at work, haven't we? We have years in the group chat, Mm -hmm. out in the field. Developing our friendship. I went and bought a dachshund so that we would have matching dogs. Precisely. We did have to align politically in the most specific ways possible, which means you did have to obtain a wiener dog. I'm t- All the political girlies have wiener dogs. Have you noticed this? A little bit now that you mention it. Get a wiener dog. It'll improve your life, especially in these trying times. In these very trying times, which is which is what we're here to sort of help provide a salve for. As you know by now, the name of our new podcast is American Fever Dream, which is not just a mix of idioms, which we love, but you know... We, we want, with this podcast, to try to cure our collective political malaise with a cool salve of commiseration. V and I talk about this stuff all the time, and we wanted to just kind of clue you in, because I find our conversations about this quite healing. I always walk away feeling a little sprighter, a little better about the state of our world. And boy, you know, you and I haven't been at a podcast, Mike, for a minute, but the world has been stating itself. Yeah, and I haven't had anywhere to like trauma dump my political genius on an analysis. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that we're back here at the mic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And I was feeling kind of lonely at my last podcast for the listeners from V Interesting who are now over here at the American Fever Dream. Thank you for coming all the way over thank here you. in podcast land. I know it can be difficult and we appreciate you. And now we're back to trauma dump yeah. and commiserate and, and generally find joy on their way from V Interesting Betches Sup to, to American <laughs> Fever Dream. But we're here and we are ready to to get well. So what are we going to do, V? What are we going to do with this podcast? Well, we want you to take what we say and bring it to your group chat. Just like what I do with Under the Desk News, I'm going to give you some information that should help you to be the most informed person in your group. But we don't know how this information is going to apply to you and your community specifically. So take the stuff we say, plagiarize it, twist it up, bring it back home and be the smartest person in your group chat. Now, I will warn you, though, if you come to this podcast from Under the Desk News, Under the Desk News is a safe place for news. That's the promise that I made to you there. Uh, This is a little bit different. We're going to get a little sassier over here. We're going to get a little, I think we're reading this show explicit, just in case anybody swears. Oh, yes. (laughs) It's kind of like if you grew up in the 90s like I did and you watched Full House and you saw Bob Saget as this like very wholesome character and then you went to see his stand up and it was just disgusting and filthy. It's not going to be quite that bad, but this is my Bob Saget stand-up era. We're going to be a little sassier than Under the Dust News was. This is sort of like the OnlyFans version. This is where you're really, (laughs) you're truly letting it all hang out. You're spreading, spreading your, your news analysis cheeks for the Oh my God. Yeah. You know, as we said, adult content, we have to advance the narrative and this is what we're going to do. We simply must. And uh, if you are coming coming from one of these projects and you don't know me, my name is Amanda Duberman. I am the senior director for news here at Betches. Uh, anything you see on Betches News, Betches Sup, I help uh, produce with my with my incredible deputy, Bridget Swartz, and Sammy Sage, our co-founder who brought us all here and decided that maybe, maybe Betches should do politics. And we've been doing it. And now we're so thrilled. It's such a moment for us, uh, this next chapter, to have you on board. We're, we're super excited. We approach politics, you know, both of our social brands. I think that's why it makes so much sense. Like we kind of just 
We want you to find this accessible, sustainable. We don't want to scare you away. We want to give you, we've been talking a lot about this, just enough of information to feel informed. We want you to be able to sleep at night. We want you to listen to us on your phone and not want to throw it. Mm-hmm. And uh, men can be bitches too. So to my male audience, welcome to my non-binary audience. Also welcome. And you know, my background is like somewhat in basic media, journalism, progressive politics. But V, you have a super interesting background that uh, I think we're going to hear a bit about on this podcast as a treat. I was a caterer. I was a caterer for the Republicans, the OG party boys. And so we'll hear a ton of behind the scenes information about what it's actually like when you're at these congressional cocktail parties, what the DNC is like backstage and all the tea that we typically overhear from the catering tent or the butler's pantry. I am so excited. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you if you don't care at all about the presidential election, you should be tuning in just just for some of these anecdotes, which makes me wonder. I do wonder, aside from policies that support American families, what were Republicans leaving on the table when you were a caterer? Oh, they were actually like so over excited to talk to me like they had never seen a queer person in their life, maybe. And they wanted to show that they were accepting. Go back with me to 2012 when I was Mitt Romney's caterer. But I remember meeting Rick Perry. I have Perry. my sock bun in. Oh, Business yeah. casual at the bar. Let's go. Absolutely. Um, Rick Perry was like very popular back then, the former governor of Texas. And he had these boots that uh, had 9-11 on them that he used to call Liberty and Freedom. And I was literally just serving like mashed potatoes at the Tampa Museum of Art or whatever. And he comes up to me and he's like, hi. And I'm like, hello, Mr. Governor Perry. Like, how are you? And he's like, good. You from maybe like New York City or something, which I think was like a clever way to ask me if I was gay. gay. And I was like, yes, sir. I am from New York City. (laughs) The heart of it. (laughs) And he was like, let me show you something. And this man hikes up his pants and throws his boot onto the table and is like, you see these? These are my 9-11 boots. Hadn't made special. Never again. Never forget. And I was like, is that? Is I'm that the dying. right? <laughs> 9-11 I was like, those are very handsome. Boots. And they have like an eagle, you know, and the towers on them and everything. And he gets like a tear in his eye. And he's like, what do you think about that? I was like, well, I was in, it was my first week of college during 9-11. And I was like in New York City. It was really scary. And he's like, I bet it was. Never happened again. Absolutely. And I felt safe. So, you know, that that was my first interaction with the Republicans. It was sort of this like show and tell uh, drunk uncle moment right. for me. And, you know, he went to his wife or his campaign manager and he was like, you know what? I showed a lesbian my 9-11 boots. And that's how we're going to win the queer vote. That's how we're going to win the queer vote. You know, that Mitt Romney, when he was governor, he voted in gay rights up in that Massachusetts. And between him and these boots. Lock cabins all over the place, baby. We're ready. We're going to get a, a lot of this kind of conversation, American Fever Dream. But V, can you tell our listeners what we're not going to get an excessive amount of? I got to tell you, um, I cannot spend the next year just talking about Biden and Trump, like these two geriatric men shuffling their way to the presidency. I can't do it week in, week out. I think you get a lot of that on the mainstream media anyway. Um, there's tons of folks who do it better just shit talking the presidential mm-hmm. candidates. And I, I just... Even now, look at my face. Yeah. (laughs) I can't be like this. So we're going to be in what we're calling our down ballot era. Each week, we're going to bring you a new candidate who is in the down ballot, who is doing something exceptional, not just to highlight the smaller government stuff that's happening around the country and give you some faith that you do have a place in democracy and your vote does count. But if you hear something awesome that, let's say, a state senator is doing in New York and you live in Arkansas... Well, now you got a game plan. You can take what they're doing up here and bring it to your local community. And I think that's something that we can get really excited about. Um, That doesn't involve, you know, which one of them is a cheeseburger away from not being on the ballot. And like if you're bummed out by anything at the top of the ticket, 
This podcast, I think you're going to appreciate a lot because like V said, there's so much to get excited about. There's Mm -hmm. so many like cool girls, gays, and theys who are stepping up. And we're going to be talking about them, about everything from politics to pop culture, all of it. Some final housekeeping notes just before we get in right into the meat of our show. We will have new episodes in your feed every Tuesday. And we're also super excited to let you know we're going to have regular bonus and reaction episodes rolling out over the next few months. Um, We'll sort of see the first time that that prompts that. We're definitely going to be incorporating some guest interviews. But V and I have been talking. We want to kind of do guest interviews a little bit differently. We don't want to just invite somebody because they have a book out, talk to them about something unrelated that we know you guys don't care about. We're going to bring somebody on if we know they're going to add more to the conversation than you and I could on our own. Absolutely. And we're going to put those episodes on a different day because you'll always just have me and Amanda on Tuesdays to walk around Home Goods with you while you're shopping for a new Stanley Cup or something. (laughs) And then we'll have expert analysis the next day, hopefully shorter episodes, something that just helps you get right to the heart of what's going on without having to listen to like hours of somebody drone on about their entire history. Just come in, tell me what the deal is, how can I make it better and go from there. Yeah, we think by the time you get here, you've you've watched CNN, you've listened to morning announcements, you've watched a couple under the desk news roundups, you kind of know what's going on. We want to add some color and some commentary. So keep an eye out for that and new news. Yeah, I think we're thinking, you know, Tuesdays, news days, Wednesdays, friends days. Yes. And Thursday, good news only. Exactly. Precisely. We've got you all week. All right. Don't listen to anyone else. It's just us. Let us be the authoritarian of your airwaves. That is actually our contribution to improving the health of the media landscape is that one source. One one source. One news source. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying, he loves airplanes, he loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Our first segment for American Beaver Dream is Temp Check. Of course, as we've established, keeping up with American politics means feeling slightly icky all the time. And when you're feeling a little feverish, what's the first thing you do? Personally, I complain to my loved ones. Mm-hmm. But the second thing I do is, you know, we take our temperature. We check we check the vibes. Mm-hmm. How are we feeling? What's the temp? And today, today, V, we got set up perfectly for our first temp check. We are taking the temperature on politics and social media. So specifically on platforms managed by Meta, which are Facebook and Instagram's parent company, and of course, Threads, Instagram CEO Adam Masseri announced last week that the platform won't recommend political content on the platform. So what does recommend mean? Boo. That's the question. Boo, tomato, tomato, tomato. That's our reaction. What does recommend mean? So you, if you follow V and I, and V and me and Betches News, you should still see that content in your feed. I will remind you that if you do really love it, you should favorite it, those accounts, to make sure you see it for reasons we'll talk about soon. 
But they're basically saying that, like, you know, that explore page, you're not going to see politics in there anymore. You know how sometimes you're scrolling reels and then you trick yourself into thinking you're on TikTok Mm -hmm. and you keep going. A lot of those can be recommended. They're not going to recommend any politics content. And I think a lot of people in the space really just saw this as an indictment of talking about politics and identity on social media overall. And it will definitely, definitely have an impact. Why is Meta doing this? They say they're doing it based on feedback that users don't want political content in their feeds. Again, users who can, like they can opt in. They're giving us all this messaging like, no, 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 nothing is changing. It's exactly how we were suppressing political information before. But V, how would you kind of characterize the reaction to this? What's left? What's left if not politics? I mean, and and what is political, right? So I think the journalist Taylor Lorenz said it best when she said, what is a political post? Uh, Is this going to be news about people who have had their entire identity politicized? I mean, POC, LGBTQ, disabled folks, women, all of that has been politicized. So we're not going to see any of that. And what about kids running for like homecoming queen? Is that political? What if we do like a poll of like, which is the best kind of dog? Stop the steal. Stop the steal. I mean, and what are us plain people supposed to do? So if, if we're taking politics and social commentary off the table, then what does that leave? Get ready with me. Makeup tutorials by the hotties. Mm -hmm. And that like edging food content where people are like making food that they're never going to eat right. and just dumping and stuff just and takes being so weird. Long. It's like, why did it take you two and a half minutes to chop this onion? But then they chop the onion and they're like, put it inside like right. the hot dog container and like bake it with in magic one pot nonsense. Room temperature. Yeah, which I don't know if you I, I found this out the hard way. That's actually fetish content. I was like, why are all these people making this horrible food? No. You mean some when people, they eat it, it's fetish? Or no, even the when they're it? making it. Because because some people get off on the idea of like somebody doing something wrong. Oh, gross. And, and Adam Masseri, you're going to allow that, you that's what he. Adam Masseri is a freak <laughs> for edging food content. Absolutely. <laughs> and honestly, foul. it's wasteful. It's foul. And But but what is left for us plain people? It's I don't know no, what totally. I'm going to do. This is always like, like when I talk to people that have special skills... And I'm like, I have no, I'm like, I'm in the knowledge economy. That's how I, that's how I present it as actually having skills. But like, we, I got nothing. If you take away just me like talking shit about the people in charge, what do we have? And also what about like those stage videos? Now the real, there are real ones, but there, I have found <laughs> an awful lot of staged videos of like fake soldiers coming home to, in the middle of their wife giving birth mm-hmm. or like fake Holy soldiers, geez. like scaring their wife on the front. Like, what are we going to do with all that edging content? It's just going to be. It's just going to be nothingness. I, I honestly promise think it's you that if I mistake. get pregnant and give birth, I will stage a video where my husband walks in and I explain to him the perils facing democracy <laughs> in the 2024 election. <laughs> well, we're going to have to go up with it. some like code, right? Because, yeah. because that, you know, what else is there to do? Right, right. V, I mean, you obviously built your brand really on TikTok. How do you find that TikTok treats this content versus Instagram? Because I will say Instagram is making this announcement. It's really interesting because Adam Masseri has sort of been like, no, 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 no. We've always been suppressing politics content. This isn't that different. And we've experienced that to varying degrees. It's really, really hard to get attention on your stuff. But TikTok, we find news and politics, for better or for worse, does seem to really connect. What I'm concerned about, the big PSYOP himself has joined TikTok. Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. is now on TikTok, which makes me wonder, does he know something about Instagram suppressing political content in this election year that we don't know? Because friend was going to ban TikTok like a couple months ago. Yeah, he can't use it on his own phone. You can't have it on your phone. <laughs> and all of a sudden, sooner be known to me, during the Super Bowl, here comes Joe Biden with his, it's good for the economy, and LOL, hey guys. And then I'm getting calls from reporters who are like, hey, what do you think about Biden on TikTok? I'm like, 
prove yourself. Everybody on TikTok starts at zero. Prove yourself. What is the content going to be? I actually think you and I are both responsible for Biden on TikTok. You have made it a place for news and progressive discussions. I am pretty sure it was Betches that made that good for the economy go viral. So you're welcome, Joe. You're welcome. I know. But I get so many questions about like, what's Biden going to do on TikTok? I was like, I don't actually work for him. I have been there. No, none of us do. You're not a Sia? <laughs> no. You're not a Fed? Honey, I'll give you my direct That's deposit, how you know you baby. made it. That's how you know you made it when yeah. they start calling you a Fed. Mm-hmm. I was like, I would take it. It's, it's a pension that they job. They call him a PSYOP and a Fed yeah. while knowing that that job probably takes a fair amount of like uh, information retention and intellect, but also he can't remember anything. <laughs> but you know, we, we promised not to talk about this. We promised yeah. not to talk. No, no, no. We were talking. That was, that was a secret slip. Exactly. See, it's like any addiction. It's hard to break. Yes. It's hard Do to break. Do you buy that Meta is saying, we just people are telling us they don't want this. Or do you think we just want our hands clean? Because I think every time we get blamed to the fact that Facebook is still the number one distributor of news. What are you going to do? What are the boomers going to do all day? What what how you're affecting my relationship with my mother? What memes is she going to send me with fake news in them, if not finding them on Facebook? And I won't stand for that. Mm-hmm. OK, this is how we bond. So I don't know what they're thinking. I think it sounds cool to be like, oh, we're not political. But at the same time, you're saying we don't care about this country, about the things that people are talking about. We're not going to make space for the ugly that happens in the world. And that's what social media was supposed to be. Television is for the silver screen perfectness of everything, right? The Mm -hmm. controlled uh, narrative. Social media was supposed to be sort of grody. And and I'm, did I just, I dated myself. Now I'm millennial. (laughs) I use the word grody. Gen X, I see you out there. You know, it was supposed to be like this real authentic thing. Right. And I'm I'm concerned that they're they're all trying to be streamers as the streamers fail and mm-hmm. and just sort of maybe bore us into yeah. complacency. I mean this I like I, I don't think Instagram Instagram and Twitter were all very different, but it does just all have the cumulative effect where it's like, where is the political public sphere anymore? It's feeling tougher and tougher to nail down. And if we're all just in our echo chambers, it's not great. It's the destruction of journalism, too, though. I mean, you saw Twitter used to be a place you could search for news. You can get reliable sources. You can connect with journalists, whether they were small local journalists or the big guys. And they've had that platform destroyed. Now they're coming over to the threads, right, because we tried Blue Sky and that was crazy. And then we tried Mastodon and nobody can figure out how to log in. And so they got the threads and that worked out so good because they aggregated all your followers from Instagram already. They were killing it. Journalists doing great work over there asking for a search bar. And they're like, no search bar. In mm-hmm. fact, no politics, no news. Mm-hmm. It's it's the further destruction of journalism. The thing, the only thing I'm hopeful for is that they can't really hide the content from you that you already follow. So like say you post something and I really like it and I share it to my story. That's not going to be suppressed. They say they're not going to suppress things from the follower, from people that you already follow. I don't really buy that. I think this is going to have an overall effect of suppressing that content. The only solution is just to follow people everywhere and make sure you have those accounts favorited. I sense our listeners are going to find ways to stay engaged on those on those grody mm-hmm. platforms, but uh, it's misguided. It's misguided for sure. But the if we had to come up with some euphemisms uh-huh. for our most used political words and phrases to avoid some of this, what do you think they would be? Let's let's start with abortion. I think abortion has kind of already been established as going camping. Remember, mm-hmm. like a lot of women were like, oh, yes. you can come if you live in Texas and you haven't seen the a pine tree. abortion rights activists, this is not new to them. No, coming come up on with up to Maine and get an abortion slash go camping. So I think abortion, we keep that one as camping uh, because everybody kind of already knows that one. What do you think about camping? I like camping. I like camping. I, I, I took this a little bit more, you know, in the rhyming direction. <laughs> and I... 
Shamortion. Yeah, extortion didn't work here. Extortion. <laughs> and extort the baby out of you. So, but you know what? Something about cornichon. Cornichon. Really works for the me. little pickles. A little, little pickle. A little cornichon. It is a little bit too evocative, but because that brings us to election. Like, I think they're going to flag election. election. And when I was thinking about election, I came up with big boy contest. And big I want you to contest. know this is gender inclusive. I'm including women in this. So, basically, what I'm telling you, V, is that. There is a lot at stake for Cornichons in this year's big boy contest. Where, mm-hmm. What else? What are you thinking for election? I just thought erection because I think it's such a funny word. And like, you know, we need to laugh. But as, also as, as a lesbian, I don't really think that's a word you get to use. That as often. a lesbian, I don't often think about erections, but it did at this po- moment. And I thought it could help us reach the male audience, mm-hmm. you know, because you see there's a lot of advertising for like Cialis and Blue Chew that shows up even on my feed. And so I imagine if we just started saying erection, maybe we could like loop in some of the bros to the conversation. Oh, totally. Like yeah. the cookies just pick up. Yeah. They're like, maybe he actually wants content. And it's about- also still the big boy contest. Totally. So totally. we're aligned on that one. Yeah, suddenly a guy's like, oh, I really wish I had better erections. And then he gets content about Sherrod Brown. <laughs> yeah, you're like, Blue Chew. Vote Blue Chew no matter oh, blue who. Blue Chew no matter who, <laughs> if you're listening. All right, we need something for Trump. They're definitely gonna. They're definitely going to flag Trump. Guy in a suit. Mm-hmm. There is no greater drag in the history of Trumpism as there was when Jen Psaki was like, he's just a guy in a suit. So I like guy in a suit. Absolutely. Yeah. For him, I just can't get over his his deeply unnatural coloring. So I'm going to refer to him as bronzer palette number four. Oh, good just one. Right in the middle. Good one. Right that gets middle. us on the makeup girlies, mm-hmm. which we know exactly. they're going to prioritize. Yes. Or get smart. ready for me or That's get ready smart. with me to watch bronzer palette number four. <laughs> we're going to put on, we're really going to cake it on. Hopefully a discontinued palette. Hopefully. Hopefully a discontinued palette. No, this is the, this is the palette that like Trump does look like he's using a bronzer palette from 2004. The dream matte mousse. <laughs> Yes. Oh my God. That was gross. Like why not me like putting that on and like, did you have trailers where you went to elementary school? Like the schools were so over, public schools were so overcrowded. Yeah. Just in the terrible lighting, just packing on the dream mat moves. Just with my disgusting little high school hands. Grubby little hands. Straight at the locker. Haven't washed them since two days earlier. No eyebrows. A thick layer of dream mat moose. We have really, V, I think think what you can assume about us in our place of life, we weren't cool in high school. Were you cool in high school? Oh, I was absolutely cool in high okay. school. Okay. As soon as I said oh, that, no, I was 100% like, cool. As soon as I said that, I think no, was I was like, a v, was, v was homecoming. I was a UCA all-star cheerleader. I was sweetheart. I won the pageant of my high school. I was so gay. And when you're that gay. like but you in, were a cheerleader? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I was. So, first of all, I'm still a That's cheerleader. That's what Rick Perry saw in you. He's he like, did. I can get them back. I, yes. I, I'm still a cheerleader. I was a cheerleader. I was in theater. I had really long blonde hair. I was hot. I had like a um, long an blonde eagle. Hair. Yeah, I had an Eagle Scout Christian altar boy boyfriend named Joey. Uh, yeah, I was so gay. I wow. mean, these are all like the ticks for like a, a gay person. Yes, yes. Because you have to like. Yeah, I was so I'm, far like, in the closet. And all our gay listeners are like, yeah, the tracks. No, no, no. I was so far in the closet that I was. I was like, it was like cosplay for me. My mom calls it my drag years. She's like, it's when you were doing like your lady drag. Those were so cute, you know. Yeah. Also, I loved it. And then I, I had this like transition to being a scene queen, mm-hmm. which was like just looking like Adam Lambert. Of course. And that was my gay awakening. Uh-huh. And I've just stayed looking like that. Right. You still. I just to this stayed day. looking like that. <laughs> Anyway, back to what we're going to talk about when we okay. So we we've got we're on to Biden. So we have we have Biden. some options. We got there from from Dream Matt Moose, but Biden Biden's um harder to sort of make light of. What are you thinking for him? I'm going to call him the sympathetic gentleman with a poor memory. I mean, I know that I shouldn't be as tickled by the special counsel's report about him, and I think it was egregious and tactless and foolish. But to call Joe Biden a sympathetic gentleman. 
I think is true. Listen, I think I'd rather is. have a sympathetic gentleman with a poor memory than bronzer palette number four who's trying to yeah, or a guy in a fucking suit. sell us out to every other country. Yeah, or we could call him aviators, or maybe we call him like ice cream mm. Joe. Mm-hmm. I called him Grandpa Joe on yeah. on uh, after the State of the Union two years ago. I called him Grandpa Joe and asked for ice cream money, which was mm-hmm. code for student loan forgiveness. I I want to call him like he's just. I don't mean this how it sounds, but he's just like life alert. Like, <laughs> I don't mean that as anything to do with his age. It's just like we're in an emergency. We have the country has fallen. We have no other options. We've just got to press this button and help will come. <laughs> Some kind of help will come. It will be life better than fallen. lying there. <laughs> America has fallen and we can't get up. We cannot get up. So let's let's have which the brings same us man. back to Blue Chew Blue and Chew. the big boy. Contest. And of course, insurrection. That term's going to get flagged. Ugh, absolutely. 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 So we need one for that. All right. I'm calling it the tantrum. I think that's perfect. I'm, I'm calling it the tantrum because I think that that could put us on like parenting mommy talk mm-hmm. or mommy Instagram. And we need uh, the moms of the world right now to really take the reins. I think somebody needs to say no more M&Ms for you or you get two M&Ms if you go vote. So it sounds like we need to make sure that we're collecting a lot of camping supplies, yeah, camping. specifically a surplus of cornichons <laughs> to make sure that we are fully prepared for the big boy contest yeah. where there will be lots of erections on display, yes. including bronzer palette number four, yep. guy in a suit. The sympathetic gentleman. Who is running against the sympathetic gentleman who must win because he did not throw a tantrum. Yeah. Yeah. Good boys get get rewards and whatever noise life alert makes we'll put it here <laughs> so that's it we won we evaded we have nice try adam i don't know what do you guys think though like mm-hmm. uh listeners at home y'all are the most clever uh tell us what you think that the code should be and we will incorporate it here because as the trendsetters mm-hmm. of the internet we can make that happen absolutely we're gonna make it happen i've been seeing on tiktok that um people love to talk about new words so let's get in there yeah Let's get it. Gotta have new words because otherwise I will use the word grody again and we will all be shocked. Should we make Biden pookie? Pookie's Pookie's polls are looking fire tonight. Pookie's polls are looking fire tonight. This is the first time I'm seeing it. (laughs) And Jet is our benefactor. Yes. We need it. Joe, we need a Jet up in here. I am obsessed with them. I am obsessed with them and I'm obsessed with like her just like complete blank face when he's like, Pookie is looking fire tonight. And she's like, I dream of that. She got everything she wanted. He has everything I he wants. I hope Natalie feels that way every single time I talk to her. I hope she feels as delusionally and self-centeredly showered with praise because mm-hmm. that's what love's about. Yes. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. And just to be clear, I don't think V's wife did wear antebellum dragon collins. No, she sure didn't. <laughs> she would apologize like no, Pookie she sure if she didn't. did. She sure, antebellum dragon yeah. collins. Pookie. Yeah. Yeah, it was before she was over it because now she's she's at fashion week. I wonder how they're doing in the snow. I was so scared that I was coming to New York this week because it was fashion week. And I'm so nervous about fashion. Like I've like I said, I picked the Adam Lambert look and it's just been the same the whole way. I think you do have good fashion, but you did kind of undermine your case when you said fashion week in such a thick New York. Oh, my God. The Western New York. It comes out. Yeah. Coming down Fashion Week. Now the bills are out, you know. Good to see you next to Anna. No, Fashion Week and Garbage Place don't go together. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. 
Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, now it's time to talk about the news. For today's main news, we're talking about the Super Bowl. Quite a few political intersections. The Chiefs won. Mm -hmm. Taylor and Travis danced at the club. And Biden's poll numbers didn't immediately skyrocket, which is weird because I I thought I paid for a PSYOP. I thought I thought that's what they were doing for us. And the polls are still still not great for our sympathetic gentlemen. They were they weren't great. And also maybe First of all, I, I've never been so dedicated to to Taylor Swift getting to something in my life. Really? I was stressed out like I was going to miss my own wedding about her being in Tokyo. And I honestly do not care that much. But this is the collective like mob mentality that totally. happens. And I was so glad that she got there. And I love that Sammy had like posted on thread. She was like, I wonder if Taylor texted Travis landed. Right. And I was like, mm. totally. I love love. And then they fight because he left her on red. And then it's like, oh, well, I was practicing, babe. It was the Super Bowl. I just. I know. I loved at the end when she kissed him and she like made sure that the cameras were like perfect for it. You know what I like about Taylor Swift? She gives us what we ask for. Yeah, I think she knows she's the main character in every scene that she's in. And she doesn't really try to play it any other way. No, Jesus was trying to have a moment, though, at the Super Bowl. This this. See, now, would this be political content? Would this make. No, because we're talking about sex. We're going to talk about a foot fetish. No. Which is allowed everywhere. Oh, my God. These. First of all, the He Gets Us commercials bother me so much because I'm watching them and I'm like, yeah. No. The Scientology ones always do that to me. No. And also the AI generated queer people having their foots fondled by Jesus. Was it? Stop trying to trick the queers into coming to your super evangelical thing. We don't want to come. You're just going to send us to camp. We already know. We've seen it. We know. We've seen it. Stop trying to trick us into coming over there because the numbers are down, you know, across the board for religion. The fastest growing religion is none. Mm-hmm. Just like how none beat Nikki Haley. None is winning. 2024. Time person of the year. None. But I was so disturbed by that commercial, but not nearly as disturbed as I was by the Kennedy commercial. Did you see that? It was jarring. It was jarring. I, I mean, the ad itself was animating as intended i i was disturbed not because <laughs> i didn't like it but by how much i liked it and was singing along with it so and my we wife like, was fuck like yeah, jesus fuck yeah anti-vaxxers she's like you did it again you fell for the he gets us and you fell for the the kennedy commercial well we do know that you love <laughs> I used to be a Republican. Well, I was going to say propaganda. <laughs> and I love propaganda. Not because I think it's like... Clip that. <laughs> yeah. Not because I think it's like, you know, of course, good for humanity. I think there's like bad stuff that happens with propaganda. But the artistry of it. And what I like about the old Kennedy commercial is think of how many creative people were employed on that. You had animators. You had storyboard writers. You had a, a custom jingle. And what I liked about it is it's so positive. And now when we watch videos that are like political car- cartoons, oh my God. Now when we watch political commercials, 
they're such a bummer. They're so scary. They're like Republicans going rhino hunting and like talking about killing their constituents and stuff. And I'm like, maybe we should go back to the like delusional, um, you know, Valium induced yes. 1950s, 60s happy commercials. No, I did enjoy that. I did enjoy that. I mean, the 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 close proximity to the original JFK ad was exactly what RFK's family hated about it. Apparently, his campaign was not responsible for this. A pack made it, and obviously they can't really communicate, but our, he did pit it to the top of his Twitter page. He was very happy it was out there because it did have that impact. Everyone in the family is like, fuck you. We did not consent to that. And he kind of apologized. He was like, I'm sorry for any pain this caused. But I mean, maybe other candidates should sort of like, like we like we were talking about. I mean, after people were on Joe about his memory, he posted a picture of him playing with his kids, you know, 40 years ago. First of all, young Joe, so hot. They should, from a lesbian, okay? Yeah. Young Joe, stunner. Absolutely. We should be posting more and more pictures of Joe Biden young, the way that they make pictures of Martin Luther King all black and white to make it feel like the civil rights era was so much further away. We need to make Joe's youth seem closer. Right, And I totally. think that we could do that yes. through these young Joe he pictures. He was vigorous five minutes ago. Yeah. Sometimes it feels that way. He he could be, but I think that whoever does like the happiest commercials, like right. lean into it. You know, now Joe's on TikTok and I got asked, uh, I forget which reporter it was, was asking me what he should do. And I was like, he should like go play cards with the old, the grandfluencers, mm -hmm. the old gays, the old gays yeah. and like talk about Medicare. Like, I would love that. That would be yeah. funny. Like put yourself in the joke a little bit. Yeah. You got to be doing the most brand native thing. So another thing on the Super Bowl, he did not do an interview during the Super Bowl, which I'm not sure if that's something that um, presidents always have the option to do or just this year. It was sort of the specter of it. Do you think he would have benefited from doing a, a primetime interview during the Super Bowl? No. I think people were already kind of like aggravated about the Taylor Swift of it all that adding in Joe, I think would have been like overkill. Yeah. I think that's what his campaign Let people said. have sports, you know? And I think, and I like that because he had this opportunity, right? To be in front of all these eyeballs. It was the most watched Super Bowl in like forever. And he didn't do it. And I think that's cool to be like, Enjoy. Mm -hmm. Just enjoy the sports. Yeah. It doesn't have to always be like this. And he still got a ton of press for not doing the interview. So I think he did. I think he chose well there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, my only concern is that I worry that like his team will just start giving him an out for every public appearance because they're nervous. But it's like he is going to stumble again. But like we just people just got to see you out there. But again, we don't need to spend the next six months talking about how Joe no. isn't as old as he seems. Another uh, interesting Super Bowl. This was really just such a rich text of a football game. So we much. love it. Uh, so Nancy Pelosi had her own Super Bowl headline moment. Um there's a lot going on here. What the fuck happened with Nancy Pelosi on the plane? She like had the local news follow her right. to take a flight to the Super Bowl from San Francisco to Las Vegas. Now, when I first saw it, I was like, what the hell's Nancy doing on the San Francisco plane? Like, oh, that's right. That's her district. But she's so busy being like the federal empress of everything yes. Democratic. Me and Nancy are not friends. Long story. I'll tell you next week about it. What happened next week? Okay, next you have you to gotta stick tune around in next this. week. But it is catering related. It is catering related. We I have, have beef. I have, I have heard this story. It's fucking wild. We have beef. Technically, it was lamb, but we have beef, and I hold a grudge. Anyway, so she's usually being the I have democratic an email from their office tomorrow. No, <laughs> <laughs> she's the democratic empress dealing with all the federal stuff. So I didn't, I didn't even associate that she represents San Francisco and that you know the San Francisco 49ers were playing. That's and not then, good. No, <laughs> no. And then they made this big deal about how she gave up her seat to a fan. So that he could sit on the window seat and she would sit in the middle seat. Well, then if you booked a commercial flight, Nance, and you and Polly, would you sit in the window in the 
in the aisle and then you left the middle open? Did she only if I wanted to make a bit out of offering a fan the, the then window they, like, seat? Offer this like random guy, this fan. You know, she's like, "Do you want to sit by the window?" And they made it seem like she like made him a prince, and it was a whole thing. Come to find out. This man was traveling with his wife. Yeah. This was anti-feminist, Nancy. Okay, this was prioritizing the patriarchy, Nancy. What happened? But anyway, so that was the big story. Yeah, Nancy was, gave up her seat on the plane. This was the Kente cloth of performative. It was, performative it was Kente cloth take two. Feminism, but to a much lesser degree. Yeah, this, this guy, it was very bizarre. Then the guy, the quote is interesting. He said, she was very nice, Nancy Pelosi. I originally had the middle seat. She offered me the window seat, which was awesome. I think she read like five newspapers. It was cool watching the machine work. It was like sitting next to your grandma, but doing way more work, which I think is honestly like if somebody said that about me, I'd be appalled. I think for Nancy Pelosi's team, that's the best thing they could have gotten. Nance does not give grandma vibes. So I got to tell you, Nance gives like rich auntie vibes. I'll give her that. She is an which aesthetic. It's crazy that she had five kids. She... She does not give grandma vibes. No. Maybe to her family, but like in public, no, I no, would no. never describe her as grandma. I would never think she was cozy. I'd never be like, do you have a Werther's in your purse? No, 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 no. no. I'd be like, tell me about that purse. Absolutely. Is it couture? Right. Like, there's she officiated cool. a Getty wedding. Woman is rich as fuck. Yeah. She's fancy. She needs to go count deer off her back And deck. she's like, let me go tell it's time to cut some blue collar guy. He can sit at the window. It's time to cut the brakes, man. Right. <laughs> Just let somebody else represent San Francisco. I didn't even know you were part, which is on me. You would think I would know this, right? As a gay, this is no, the Mecca. It is one of those things I was where like, wait like, a minute. She stepped out. It's like her and Mitch McConnell, I have to remind myself, are still in Congress. They just like since their I leadership was born. roles. Yeah. Since I was born. My whole entire I have not lived one day without without Nancy or Mitch in, in federal office. Whoa. That That's bananas. Yeah. I mean, me neither, because I'm considerably younger than you. And prettier. <laughs> please, please. All right. Next up in main news. Of course, there was an issue of big gun violence since we oh, even started planning day. our first episode. We had a really harrowing I, I was about to say V like this is a unique one yeah. because there's just so many accounts like this that unfortunately we become pretty numb to but this was a really harrowing scene inside Joel Austin's Texas megachurch I mean honestly it's probably always a little weird in there but this was a very harrowing scene a woman opened fire before we she was confronted and shot dead by two off-duty police officers in Houston that woman had her seven-year-old with her her seven-year-old son mm -hmm. the woman was shot dead her son was also shot in mm -hmm. this ordeal in the head, and mm -hmm. he was currently in critical condition in the hospital. People were running for their lives. This service is fucking huge. It sees about 40,000 attendees every weekend. We're still waiting for more information about if the gun was legally obtained and this person's specific motive. There's a lot going on around the motive that people have jumped on to sort of um, further their kind of like you know, political preference for how we interpret another instance of gun violence. What have you seen from from the aftermath here? So the first people to report on this, it came out of KHTOU, I think is the local channel there. And then Fox News picked it up really quickly and falsely identified the woman as a transgender woman because the police had released this sort of like scattered statement saying that, um, you know, Moreno was known to them and had been arrested under a different alias of Jeffrey Escalante. And then they were like, oh, she's a trans woman. And also maybe there was a free Palestine sticker on the gun. They, they, we haven't seen a picture of that, so I don't know what's up with that. But they ran hard with this. It was a transgender act of violence against Christians. And it, it just wow. was like, you know what? A terrible thing happened here today. Let's talk about what happened, why this is happening. Turns out this woman, who is a biological woman, who had two biological children with uh, a man who is in prison in Florida right now uh, for not registering as a sex offender was a member of the church. Her mother was a member of the church. Members of the of the Lakewood Church staff counseled her through her divorce. 
there was a lot here to say, this is a member of the church whose mother is a member, whose children are members, who brought a gun. What happened that you couldn't solve your problems that you had previously solved through counseling in the church that you brought a gun? What is going on? Like, obviously, there's some sort of mental health break here, but I'm also sick of blaming gun violence on mental health. There are lots of mentally very unwell people who don't bring guns into churches or anywhere else. And then you got the two cops, the the two off-duty police officers who happen to be in the lobby and both happen to have a gun on them, too. Like, we got to pack heat for Jesus. Mm -hmm. Like, Right. One of them is in, like, you know, the ATF commission. But then they're, the thing that also pissed me off is they run so far with this like trans Palestine thing, like going crazy. It's Antifa. It's the leftists. It's whatever. Maybe, maybe not. And they say nothing, though, about um, shooting the seven-year-old. Yeah. And they're like, well, the seven-year-old got shot in the head when we, when we shot at the mother, but we don't know whose bullet hit him in the head. Are you insinuating that this woman shot her own child? Of course not. Like that's not even doesn't line up with the story. So it's very, it's it's a difficult story. It's another one where the problem is guns. Mm -hmm. The problem is gun violence, access to guns. But instead of that, we're going to run around and we're going to say all these other like hot button talk points for like clickbait and clout. And there's a, there's a woman dead. There's a family in shambles. There's a seven-year-old in the hospital and it will only embolden Joel Osteen to raise money off of this. Oh, yeah. But you know what he said, V, is that, uh, quote, we don't understand why all these happen, but we know God's in control. God's in control. God is the one who said, you know what, Texas, just keep anyone can have a long gun anywhere they want. No, no problem. I love that. I I love a prosperity gospel. It's how we pick the music for this song. (laughs) I love the nostalgia of it and whatnot. But I mean. Partly because it's just so absurd to me and is yeah. so such a part of the American it's fever a vibe dream. It's for better and for worse. It is the American fever dream of, you know, that whole world mixing it up. Yes. This Jesus. man, Jesus, if you give me $10,000, you can buy a spot in heaven, right? Mm-hmm. Like says who? So it for Joel Osteen to be smiling while he's talking about it and then reminiscing that at least it wasn't at the 11 o'clock, uh, there would have been more people Which is disgusting because killed. it happened before the Spanish language and service. he was almost thankful it was yeah. before the Spanish language service. I wasn't sure if I was being unfair in my interpretation of him saying, we're just glad it didn't happen at 11 because the implication is we're so happy it instead happened at 2 p.m. Right. When For the Spanish people. Span- right. I, 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 well, I guess it's like, there. I mean, yes, I do wish this woman felt that she could seek solace at her church, but I don't know what I expect from the church that locked the doors <laughs> during, during Hurricane, Hurricane Harvey. I know. You know what bothers me most about Joel Osteen? This is Penny. I used to watch his show because it would be like on at my grandma's house when I was little. And he told this story about an orange grove and he kept saying orange. And I never can (laughs) get it out of my head. I don't know what accent that is. It's totally irrelevant to right now. But he was like, and then I was in this orange grove and I was never able to like ever think of him outside of that context. And he's since then been an unserious person. He's deeply unserious to me. And he living in this $10 million mansion, he has this very like picture perfect relationship with his wife. I think it it makes people feel bad about themselves that they can't achieve this like idealized, sterilized marriage, sterilized life. Um, And I think I'm, I just, I'm very concerned about what this does to the number of people who heard the false information that this woman was a trans woman who was a leftist and how people already started to run with that. 
and will believe that even though it's been unproven and how that will create more violence towards the community. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many studies that say it's like if you read a headline once, it doesn't matter how many times you read the correct one. It doesn't matter. If that sinks in with your biases that Fox loves to say, it's like it's all of the blue haired trans people, free Palestine people that are bringing down the country. Yeah. They're going to run with it. When really the reality is there's a seven year old without with an incarcerated father, a dead mother who may have permanent will likely have permanent brain damage. Mm -hmm. That Joel Osteen will no doubt uh, fundraise Mm -hmm. off of. Yeah. Our next segment should have stayed with the foot fetish content from the Super Bowl. We brought it to a dark place with the church. Let's (laughs) right. Focus, focus on on the bizarre sexual. This is why people say don't talk about church or politics. It gets weird at a point. Every fucking time, every fucking time, we tried so hard. And we're back, and we are in my new favorite thing: our down ballot era. I feel like we've talked about it for a long time that people should get more involved in their state and local politics or, you know, running for student body president, whatever it is you're running for that's down ballot. Just don't post about it on Instagram if you're running for student body president. No, because you'll get blocked. Absolutely. (laughs) Blocked and canceled before you even got out of high school. But we are in our down ballot era. This is where you can really get excited about democracy, change our friends and neighbors who are running for office, trying to improve our local communities. Um, And each week we're going to tell you about a different person this week. We're going to talk about one of the most iconic former congressmen, uh, future RuPaul's Drag Race judge, George Santos. And you know, V, our our podcast hiatus, I think we both just sort of missed the Santos expulsion, the Z-Way interview of it all. I have had to keep myself from calling this the Santos district to remind myself, like, he is in the past. He, He is no longer part, but he's forever in our hearts. Forever in our hearts. And also a stark reminder that people will do anything for money. So... Just because they have a talking point that maybe you can latch on to, don't use queer people like George Santos as the reason why it's okay for you to be hateful to XYZ Mm -hmm, person mm -hmm. by saying, well, he did it. Yes. Now, he's gone. He represents New York's District 3. It is a blizzard here today. It is a nor'easter. But I was watching the local news. Looks like a lot of people are getting out to the polls. Very excited to see that. They're like, no, we will not be embarrassed again. Yeah. New York doesn't like to be embarrassed. District 3. Full of shame no. right now after that. And there's they know a lot of people are watching this. So yep. voters in District 3, they're going to choose between Tom Swazi. That's how you say it, right? I hear Sounds it so cool, constantly. Right? And I, that's a Long Island name. Tom they will Swazi. Choose, absolutely. He's a Democrat. And he held that seat for three terms. I think he's sort of blamed for this even falling to Santos. Mm-hmm. He ran um, for governor and mm-hmm. lost the primary against Kathy Hochul. And now he's he's back. He's sort of, again, kind of like a safe guy. He's like, I've won this seat. I, I know these voters. They will vote for me. He is running against the Republicans are putting up someone named Mozzie Pillup. She is a local politician. She's running as a Republican. I believe this Republican, this like really closely embraced Republican identity is kind of new for her. Mm. She was born in Ethiopia, but moved to Israel, I believe as a child, served in the IDF. She is <gasps> really centering that in her campaign, which is specifically she believes is going to be specifically resonant in Long Island. Tom Swazi as well is a very pro-Israel Democrat. Obviously, this is a, a conversation right now. And I think I think People are really watching this race for a couple of reasons. They're watching it to see 
if Democrats in certain districts are going to be moved by a Republican promising to be really, really strongly a strong pro-Israel orientation when there are people on the left who feel like they haven't seen what they want to from some other Democratic politicians. I think also this district is a little bit unique in terms of the border, which sounds crazy because we're quite far from the border. But in this district is some housing that has been dedicated to uh, migrants traveling from South America and Central America. Again, another national issue that this is sort of a, a, a testing ground to see if voters are going to punish Democrats for what they perceive as a real issue with migrants not getting the support that they need to thrive in their communities. Does TikTok know that there's an IDF soldier running for office in District 3? Because that was news Maybe to not. Me. Maybe not. I, they no, haven't the, really the picked up on this The infighting was one. so bad yeah. that they didn't pick this up. This, this would have been a pickup. This would have been a viral moment. Yeah. I mean, if she wins... We're going to start hearing quite a lot about it. And again, Tom Swazi is one of those. Listen, if you a a lot of people are searching for a lot of things in the Democratic Party that they feel they're not getting about Mm -hmm. Israel and Gaza. But Tom Swazi is not really where you're going to get it if you're looking for a softer orientation. And that's sort of what he's saying. He's like, I've been here. I know how to negotiate. Let's not risk this. So. Um, the polls are, I think, like somewhat neck and neck, people thinking, but you never, I mean, and this is also one of these seats, like the margin in the house is so tight right now. Like mm-hmm. a couple people drop dead or leave. And we're, we talked about, these are some older, older big boys. <laughs> older <laughs> like, big boys. We So people are going to be watching this really, really closely. I'm sure making, I'm curious what you think if some, how much do you think this outcome will be extrapolated to what we're going to see nationally in November? How much of that do you think is accurate? How much of you think is just projecting? And this is a really unique district and situation. I think it's a unique district in that, George Santos made it one, right? Mm-hmm. Like I never thought about District 3 before in my entire life. Like, and I've been a New Yorker for all these years. It just didn't really occur to me. I think he put a big spotlight on it. So now we're looking at it. I think if you want to negate the embarrassment that you had, then you pick Tom Swazi because he's boring. And sometimes boring is safe and we can kind of like neutralize the attention that's been on this district and the division that's been on this district. Also, he knows how the ship runs, right? So let's just get everything back together. He's got over friends here. in there. He knows how to friends. make some deals. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the flight tracker. He knows mm-hmm. how to get to DC when he has to and all that. So I'll be interested to see which way it goes. I didn't hear that much about his um his opposition about this Republican running. So I wonder how many people in the district have. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If I were District Three, I would pick Tom simply for the fact that I would pick somebody who would be kind of boring. Get the work done. Cross the T's, dot the I's, not cause a big scene, and hopefully, you know, sort of bring a little it's dignity back. It's not good, V, that you haven't heard. That I haven't heard much about the opponent either. And it's like literally the reason we're in this situation is because Democrats didn't do like a five minutes of opera research mm-hmm. on this fucking clown. Mm-hmm. So I hope, I'm, I honestly, I, I think you're right. Like these voters have been so embarrassed by by George Santos. And I don't, if what they want to is sort of like return some dignity to their district, some norma- some normalcy. I think it'll be tighter than expected because I think this candidate and Republicans are cynically taking advantage of, mm-hmm. of some really emotional sentiment. Um, well, I mean, unless unless the district wants to send her in there to be like the anti-squad, right? Yeah. So, yes, I mean, I think that right. that could be a thing, too, if you totally. want to send her in to go up against like Omar or somebody or Cory Bush or somebody. Depends. That could have been I, really I've not compelling. watched this woman uh, orate. And I, like I said, I've, I don't. I just She's don't a dangerous know that much candidate if Republicans kind of wielded her effectively. Set her up like that. I haven't seen too much of that. Tom Swazi's been doing a great job. I think she was she was making some statement about you know the migrant 
crisis. Um, I struggle with that so much, like these terms like influx of migrants, like it's so dehumanizing. It's like people have nowhere to go. And she was she was just going on and on about how bad it was. And Tom Swazi heard she was there and he just like drove his car and he was like, let's talk about it. Like, what are you going to do about it? I actually know what to do about it. So this will definitely be an exciting and exciting uh, race to watch. New York's District 3, congratulations. You are our down ballot it girl of the week. You are in that era. Do not let us down. Do not let us down. Our next segment, coming in hot. This is a segment. We're going to be rolling out a couple segments that, you know, aren't in every single episode. Some mm-hmm. that we're going to roll out later that you didn't hear today. Coming in hot. I mean, just 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 some takes, just some hot, hot spicy, so just some stuff we saw that we're like, we got to talk about this. This is I got some thoughts. The you're you're coming in hot about Managers and employees are using chat GPT to write their performance reviews. I'm horrified by this. I'm horrified by this. We are so disconnected. It's in an, again, it's like a commentary on American culture right now. We are so disconnected from the work that we do that now our managers are going to outsource praise for us to chat GPT. What is the point? What are we even doing here? You know, so I was reading this article about how managers are too busy and they they have we lack the ability to have a creative moment. You and I were talking earlier about how we lack the time to daydream. Well, now people are lacking the time to be thoughtful about their workers. This is the one chance that you have to look at the person who has helped you or your company be more successful that you see every single day, gives up time with their family to be with you. And you can't even find one nice thing to say about them. Like how just sad is that mm-hmm. how do you view it as employees using it because there's something kind of like this article was saying some employees will sort of like I always tell my employees like write down all your wins every mm-hmm. day because you'll forget and then when the moment comes you need them so there's something to me kind of like empowering and the fact that it's like I don't know let's say you I have used ChatGPT to get myself somewhere where I know I want to be. I'm like, this isn't like for this podcast name, for example. We were mm-hmm. struggling to come up with a name. I put in tons of like, what are some idioms for this? It never gave me American Fever Dream, but it would give me some stuff that like got me almost there. Mm-hmm. So there's like, there's parts of using ChatGPT, but I, I am with you where it is quite concerning that that can't originate organically. And I think you make an interesting point where it's like, it's not necessarily what's so disturbing is the fact that people would use this tool, but the fact that like, the value of a performance review is so degraded that people are like, fuck it. I'll just like just find chat. It. Exactly. Just or, or just it. like if, if you're using the things you're using for G- chat GPT for, I think you need to ask yourself, like, what value does this even serve if I am so eager to quickly like offload it to a, a robot? I think as a company, just be honest with people. They just want to know what's going on. If your company policy is that everybody gets the 3% cost of living raise, whether they did an A plus job or a D plus job then don't have a performance review. Just like be pass, like, fail. Yeah, job. pass, fail, yeah. there we go. If you aren't building in time to appreciate your employees, maybe you shouldn't be a manager. One of the reasons I hated being a manager is because I found it so difficult to do my job, plus carry the weight of all the different people mm-hmm. who I was supposed to be like making the career of and mentoring and doing whatever. You really can't do both sometimes. So that needs to be you know, in play. I wish I had more time to champion and cheerlead the initiatives that you're interested in and get you the continued education you want to advance in this field. But I am so overburdened, even though I'm your manager, that this this is too hard. Coming up with, I used to hate when I as employee would have to, like you say, write down all my wins. Because I'm like, man, I've been doing the work all year. Right, it's just sort of like, if I you work don't hard know, all day. Like, what else do you want from me? If you don't know, then like, you know, 
I don't know what to tell you. Is the company doing well or not? If it's doing well, it's because of the workers. If it's not, it's because of the management. And I do stand by that. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah, the totally. performance review thing is crazy. To me. Well, I did. I did just plug into ChatGPT, write a 2023 performance review for President Joe Biden. Do tell. <laughs> Dear President Biden, I hope this message finds you well. As we reflect on the past year, I'm pleased to provide you with a comprehensive performance review for the year 2023. And then I won't read it verbatim, but it has to go through some uh, categories, economic policies, COVID-19 response, <laughs> foreign relations, climate change. OK, so this is kind of detailed. This this robot really took took a lot of thought. It says, conclusion, your first year in office, See. your year in office has been marked by considerable achievements and challenges. Sounds, sounds pretty robotic. When I graduated college, they had me write cover letters for jobs. And I wrote the most word salad, stupid exactly. stuff. I'm like, I'm here to synergize and maximize the... It's like watching a Corporate Natalie video. Do you watch Corporate Natalie? Oh, totally. Oh my God, yeah. I love her. I think yeah. she's hilarious. Yeah. But the way that she like keeps all this jargon going, I'm like, it's just you know more of that. It just continues to detach us from the work that we're doing and results in why Americans don't feel sat job satisfaction right, right now. Well, we came in hot on, on having ChatGPT write your performance reviews. Care about your employees. We did it. That ends our very first episode of American Fever Dream. But we want to keep the conversation going. Next week, we're going to talk all of the things that give Americans the vapors. But uh, we want your questions about spending packages. What are your concerns? What do you wish we spent more money on, V? What do you What do you want people to chime in with? Yeah, so every week we want you to be a part of the conversation. I think that's part of the magic of TikTok. It's that duality. We both get to talk and listen. So we know that the Senate just passed the $95 billion aid package for foreign aid. A lot of folks are like, hey, I asked for universal health care and right. student loans. Write in. Ask us your questions about how does the Senate pass budget packages? Where does the money come from? Um, once they get that money, how do we get it allocated in earmarks to the state level where it gets spent? Any questions you have about federal spending, ask them. We're going to answer them next week. Hopefully demystify some of the misinformation there is about what we do and don't have money for. Yeah, this was a perfect I think this is a perfect prompt to start the week, because instead of just droning on and on today about yeah. everything they did, tell us what you actually want to know. If you are like, why I'm pissed at Joe because this didn't get in the Senate deal. We'll tell you simply why it didn't. Right. We'll give you the for answer that worse. you need. And it might make you might make you happier or sadder with mm -hmm. the state of our elected leaders. But we're going to be straight with you. So come. We are in the process of setting up an email. But for now, just send a DM to Betches News at Betches News on Instagram. I will be checking those. Bridget will be checking those and we'll take up your questions and concerns next week when we will also share that email and we will uh, signal publicly what that email is. But in the meantime, please send us your, your questions about the spending bill and what's going on in Congress by DMing Betches News. Until next week, I'm Amanda Duberman. And I'm Vita Spear. And this has been American Fever Dream. Like my mom always says, laugh before you go to sleep, cry when you wake up. Have a good one. American Fever Dream is hosted by Vitus Spear and Amanda Duberman. The show is produced by Rebecca Salzmacat, Sean Kilby, and Jorge Morales Pico. Editing by Rebecca Salzmacat. Social media by Amanda Duberman and Bridget Schwartz. And be sure to follow at Betches News on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Betches.